Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning. And good morning to everyone worshiping and watching online. I've been excited about this series on the Holy Spirit, honestly, for we as believers to really first experience all that the work of the cross, the power of salvation, the deliverance, the transformation that Jesus has made available for us to be able to experience that, we need the Holy Spirit. We don't need Him in name only. We need Him in all of His power, all of His fullness. How do you think the early church made it? We need the power of God. Jesus knew that. And that's why he said he would send the comforter. For some of you who maybe haven't heard all of the messages in this series, you can go to our website, rolcdoylestown.org. Then in the menu, click on media. It will take you to all of our services. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook there or even our live stream. But I encourage you, I can't say it enough, to understand, make sure you get all of these weeks in the series from week one till today so that you can understand all that God has made available. Think about it. When you got saved, you couldn't get saved until you understood your need for a Savior. Amen. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you need to get saved. Well, I don't see any car ready to hit me. Especially the day and age we live now. People are not as biblically minded. They're spiritually minded. They're searching. That's obvious. But they're not as biblically, biblically minded. And so if we talk in certain terminologies that they don't understand, because many haven't even been raised in the church, then they're, gonna not, they're not going to know what you're trying to communicate. But when we become the billboard, when we become the living epistle, as the Apostle Paul says, a living letter, a testimony, people see us and they compare the light of God in us. I'm not saying we're perfect. But we all are under construction, being perfected. Amen? And so when the world sees, that, hey, we're just like them. But there's something different that helps us to do what they don't do. To have what they don't have. That joy. That peace. Even when it's tough. How many of you have ever experienced tough times in life? I think we all have. Those of you watching online, you know what I'm talking about. And so we need the Holy Spirit. I believe with all of my heart the reason believers, so many Christians are struggling is because they have not yet fully tapped in to everything God has for them. And I'm not talking about being mystical. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about an intimacy. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about entertaining His presence where just as my wife and I, we go everywhere together. If we're not together, that's a rarity. But just as we enjoy communication, talk, fellowship, as we're together throughout the day, you know, the Holy Spirit never leaves us. And we need to begin to learn how to cultivate conversation. As if if our eyes were open, we would see Him on our left, on our right, right there with us. Begin to develop that relationship. And that's what the Holy Spirit makes possible. That's the purpose behind this series that I've done. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're dealing with the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in this series. The revelation gifts. 
I dealt with them the second week. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. The power gifts last week, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, and the gift of miracles. So today, out of the nine groups, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, we'll be focusing on that third section of the three gifts that I reference as the utterance gifts. What are they? The gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Now let me clarify. The gift of tongues is not the baptism of fire that enables us to have a prayer language where we can worship and at times worship in our God-given Holy Spirit language that has been placed upon us for a specific purpose, and we're going to look at that. So when we understand that the gifts of the Spirit belong to the Holy Spirit, they cannot be summoned at will, as I brought out last week, just as when Samson would feel this anointing of strength, he didn't walk around strong all of the time. He wasn't this over-physically developed individual. His body looked like every other common man. That's why his strength was an enigma to the Philistines and those around him. He could not call this strength up at will. It was only when the Holy Spirit at that moment would come upon him for a specific purpose, and then this demonstration of strength was there so that he could fulfill his job, his calling as a judge over the nation of Israel. So again, all of the gifts of the Spirit, which includes the utterance gifts, gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Some people, they challenge the continued revelance of these gifts in the 21st century church. They teach cessation doctrine. They say, well, they were for that time and period before the Bible was put in print and available, but now that we have the Bible, there's no more need for the utterance gifts. Well, that could not be the furthest thing from the truth. Jesus hasn't changed. God the Father hasn't changed. And the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. What we face in life, what others face in life, hasn't changed. If anything, more people produce more problems, more issues, more dilemma, which demands even more greater need for the power of the Holy Spirit, His supernatural gifts, to manifest and demonstrate through the church. That's all of you. That's all of you watching and worshiping online. You're the church. And God the Holy Spirit wants to manifest, demonstrate His anointing. He wants to draw people's attention away from men and, and organizations. And He wants people to trust solely in Him, in His anointing. Because He can do what no one else and no other thing can do for us. And that's why, because needs haven't changed, people haven't changed, the gifts of the Spirit, even now more than ever, prior to our Lord's return, they are necessary. Praise the Lord. So let's bring a little clarity to the misnomers we've heard throughout the years regarding the cessation of the gifts. And let's begin by looking at our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7. Through 11. 
but the manifestation, everybody say manifestation. That means something that can be seen with the natural eye. It manifests itself, the gift. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So when God moves in the Holy Spirit, it's not about the person who's being used. It's about those who are receiving from the person being used. And it's so that all people who have a need, whatever the dilemma, they can profit from it. They can be ministered to. They can benefit, have a need met, a sickness broken. The power of God manifested so that people can be blessed. Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Holy Spirit, may your rhema, your revelation, open the eyes and the hearts and the minds of all of us gathered here, as well as those watching around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's begin with the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is a supernatural impartation that comes when the Holy Spirit knows an individual needs a specific word, specific encouragement, a specific touch that only this gift can bring by the Holy Spirit at that moment. As I mentioned with all of the gifts, the gift of prophecy cannot be summoned at will. That's why if you see prophecy being utilized all of the time, then we have to stop for a moment and ask ourselves, is this really the gift of prophecy in operation, or is it just our own heart and intentions with a willingness to help and encourage? There's a difference between encouraging someone versus the gift of prophecy in operation. So what exactly is the gift of prophecy? It comes from the Greek word in the New Testament, propheteia. It's defined as to prophesy, obviously, or to speak on behalf of another. A discourse emanating from divine inspiration which declares what? The purposes of God. A discourse declaring by divine inspiration the purposes of God. Theologian and scholar Harold Horton says this, The gift of prophecy has nothing to do with human power of thought and reasoning. More than walking on water has to do with human powers of equilibrium. It is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. Known to the one prophesying and known to the individuals hearing and receiving that word. It's important to understand Paul defines its purpose, the gift of prophecy, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he who prophesies speaks, what? Edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So there's a purpose in this gift when God, all of a sudden, at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes down upon that individual. 
And they begin to speak to another, individually or it could be corporately. It's a divine discourse which brings then edification, that means to build up, exhortation, that means to encourage and comfort. Prophecy, again, its sole purpose are those three ex- expl- explanations there. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Which means what? Prophecy never brings new revelation. Did you hear me? If people try to rewrite the Bible, that is not prophecy. That's false doctrine. Prophecy never brings new revelation. It never brings predictions. It never brings guidance. I feel the Lord is telling you to go to Siberia. God never brings guidance for our lives through prophecy. He may confirm what the Lord has already personally spoken to us through prophecy, but its origination, guidance, always comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Amen? He speaks to us personally. In the Old Testament, they did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That means how did God speak to the Israelites, to the Hebrew worshipers of Jehovah, through the prophets, through the prophets and through the Torah and through the law. But now in the New Covenant, because the Holy Spirit takes up residence, prophecy, because the fulfillment and the role of a prophet has changed, Prophecy does not bring guidance or predict the future. If you need a prediction, that's what palm readers do, isn't it? Tarot cards, people try to predict the future. That's the sin of witchcraft. Don't ever read the horoscopes. Don't ever go to a palm reader. Don't ever look to the cards or the stars, astrology, for what your life has in store for. Look to God. Those are different forms of witchcraft. And that's why also the gift of prophecy is never a prediction. And it's also most important. In the Old Testament, again, the role of a prophet and prophecy was different from that which we have now under the New Covenant. Prophecy in the New Testament under the New Covenant is never rebuke. I've seen people over my 45 years of pastoral ministry abuse different gifts of the Holy Spirit And really not the Holy Spirit at all, just their own hearts. And then because of possibly issues that they may be carrying, unforgiveness, they try to disguise their unforgiveness and their anger and their negative words of rebuke as if God the Holy Spirit through prophecy is speaking to that person or those people. It's never God. God doesn't need to hide under one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How does God take and bring about correction in our lives? Lister Summerall says this, There is no element of rebuke in prophecy, only encouragement. In the New Testament, correction does not come from prophecy, but from preaching the Word. How does God confront wrong doctrine, wrong attitudes, issues? His Word with the doctrine. Paul dealt with excesses as a teacher, a pastor, and an apostle but never through the gift of prophecy. We receive correction. We get back on course with our lives through instruction that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. 
Even Jesus, when, when, when he dealt with people, the, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he told her, go and sin no more. He brought reproof, correction. But he also coupled that with hope. She was free. He enabled her, empowered her to be able to do the right thing. And that's what God does for us as well. So it's important to remember that prophecy is never rebuke. Here are just a few examples of prophecy in the New Testament. There's so much to cover with all three of these gifts that just one service doesn't allow time. So I'm capsulizing. I'm, I'm bringing them down to a smaller segment so that you can have some scriptural basis. But I want you to go home from this service throughout the week and dig deeper, delve deeper into this teaching and other references that are available so you can even lay a greater foundation of understanding in your heart and mind. Zacharias, who was he? In the New Testament, he was the father of John the Baptist. Now, remember Zacharias when he found out his wife Elizabeth was pregnant? They were both very well in years. So he didn't believe it. He laughed. And so what happened? Because of his unbelief and the laughter that he exuded, God took away his speech, his tongue, his ability to speak until John, his son, would be born. Now, why do you think that? Well, I believe sometimes, I, I did one of my podcasts, uh, one word on the power of the tongue. Speak, it's entitled. It was uh, two weeks ago. And in that, I reference how there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Amen? And so we can speak blessing. We can prepare the way uh, for the Holy Spirit to do great things in and through us by our confession. Or, Scripture also says that there's death in the power of the tongue. A lot of times, people have what they're saying. And that's why it's important to guard the tongue. What happened with the, uh, you're going to hear more about this next week, with Israel when Joshua took them into the promised land. And here they were, 40 years later. Now they're stepping in. 40 years prior, because everyone had an opinion. Everybody was speaking negativity and death and failure and defeat. They were delayed their inheritance. Our tongue, our speech, our word can delay our blessing. So for 40 years, because of their refusal to step into the promised land, to obey the voice of the Lord, He's prepared the way for them. 40 years, a generation had to die, and now here they are 40 years later, with Joshua leading, not Moses. And finally, when they came to the first battle on the other side of the Jordan, there was Jericho. Now, isn't it interesting that as they marched for seven days, once every day, and then on the seventh day, seven times, they were forbidden to speak a word. God did not want to hear their doubt. God did not want to hear their unbelief. And God did not want them to be delayed, the promised land, another 40 years. So what did he do? He put tape on their mouth through a spiritual command. They weren't allowed to speak. And then on the seventh time, the walls came down. And that's going to be a powerful message next week. You don't want to miss. Zacharias, his speech, got him into trouble. But God knew that even before it happened. But in order for him not to hinder the plan that God desired, what if my wife being up in years doesn't carry full term 
What if she loses the baby? There are always what ifs attached to doubt and unbelief. And we have got to learn not to speak the what ifs. Speak God's reality. What is? Amen? Hallelujah. And so Zacharias, finally, when John was born, this great man of God who would prepare the way for Jesus, Messiah. He was the forerunner, Scripture brings out, for the Christ. And finally, when then John the Baptist is brought to the temple and they're going to have him dedicated and they're going to pray for him, have him circumcised, the speech of Zacharias returns. And you'll find in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 67 through 80, but I'm only going to read one verse. Verse 67. The speech of Zacharias returned, and look at what he prayed. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And prophesied. The gift of prophecy, and then the ministry, the calling, the purpose which had already been revealed to Elizabeth and Zacharias, but now the Holy Spirit was doing what? Confirming the calling of the forerunner for the Christ who would prepare the way for the Lord. He prophesies not just for their own benefit, but for all of those around who would hear, and then one day when the ministry of John, the baptizer, would begin to come into fruition, People would remember that prophecy. They would remember that day in the temple when he was dedicated to the Lord and they would see and remember and call and understand that this indeed was a man of God. Do you know that John the Baptist was the last of all of the Old Testament prophets? Did you know that? Even though he is referenced in the New Testament, he is the last of the Old Testament prophets. Why? Because Jesus had not yet been crucified. His blood had not been brought before the Father. The new covenant had not yet been set in place. John was a part of that whole strategy that God the Father had orchestrated. It's interesting, isn't it? Another example of prophecy in Scripture is what about when Jesus prophesied over Peter? He did a few times. Remember when Peter had the revelation, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Then Jesus spoke about the keys of the kingdom and how he was going to establish his church, the church of Jesus Christ, on himself, the rock. But Peter would play a key role. Another time when Peter was about to go through a difficult situation, time of his life, when he would betray the Lord, say he never knew him. Prior to that happening, Jesus said to Peter, he was prophesying, Satan desires to sift you. Is weak. But Peter, take courage, take hope. I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Do you know even to this day Jesus is praying for all of you? He's at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for who? The saints. Just as he prayed for Peter, he's praying for us. And so when Jesus spoke to Peter, he was prophesying. It would encourage him, bring him through, cause him to feel the presence of God when others have given up hope and even brought harm to their own lives. Thank God for the gift of prophecy. And I'm intentionally 
referencing Jesus because he is the foundation for this gift. Amen? What about Peter on the day of Pentecost? Remember? He stood up, and when the Holy Spirit was poured out and all of the Christians, the 120, all baptized with fire, all received their prayer language, they took it to the streets. That's why God gives us his power and anointing, so that we can make a difference in the marketplace. Touch lives that will never walk into a church, never walk into a temple, never walk into a crusade or an event, but we go to them because that's what the gospel is all about. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jerusalem, that's Doylestown or wherever your hometown is. Jerusalem, Judea, the state, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Judea, Samaria, the nation, and the uttermost parts of the world, the earth, the whole gospel for the whole planet. Amen? We are commanded to take this message wherever we go. And then wait. Everybody say wait. Wait for a divine opportunity that you know is God and then be his mouthpiece. Don't be religious. Just be real. Be authentic. Care. Had a man come up to my door here on Friday. I was out getting things for VBS, Cindy and I. I pull up, there's a man standing right by the church entrance, by the kitchen. I got out of the car. I said, yeah, can I help you? This man was obviously under hard times, poverty stricken. He was trying to make it from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire, to the area and region of where Dartmouth University is located. So he said to me, I, I just need a place to sleep. I have gas, I have food, but I have nowhere to sleep. And I said, well, how about if I get you a hotel room? I said, would you allow me to do that for you? Could I have the honor of blessing you in Jesus' name? with a hotel accommodation. His heart his, was just touched. His eyes began to be filled. You could tell he was ready to overflow with tears. I didn't, I didn't do anything except meet a need. I heard a great pastor, a good friend of mine, Tommy Barnett. He said, as believers, what God wants us to do is find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. That's what taking the gospel is. It's our words authenticated by our actions. I had the privilege of praying with that man. I went over and paid for his one-night stay. He said, all I need is one night. You know, the Bible says, and I didn't do it for this reason. When I see a need and the Holy Spirit quickens me, I'm ready. I am always ready. I, I, I know I am here to give people Jesus and hope and salvation and a future because that's what he's called all of us as believers to do. But when I, when I took, thought about this later, you know, the Bible says sometimes, hey, be careful because you don't know if you're entertaining an angel unawares. Now, that should be our motivation. I'm going to bless everybody I know so I can get an angelic visitation. Maybe I had an angel to go home for dinner. Well, I think, I think this may have been an angel, Keith. Well, how do you know? You know we don't do it for that purpose and that motivation. We just do it because that's what Jesus did. That's what it means to be a Christian. Christ-like, Christian. Do what he did. And that's why the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why prophecy. 
Peter and the 120, they took it to the streets. And they were all prophesying, speaking. It says in, in the Word, the book of Acts, that the people from all over other regions around the world heard the 120 declaring the praises of God in their languages, meaning the language of the people visiting. Now, they weren't learned men. It says that in Scripture. So how would they know to speak to even dialects that have been lost through the years, but yet remembered by certain people groups? The Holy Spirit. He never forgets. That's why the Bible talks about tongues of men and of angels. Amen? They were prophesying, declaring Jesus. Peter stood up and then prophesied. He brought Christ to the multitude. Prophecy can be one-on-one. -on -one. What about when Philip the Evangelist, when he saw the Ethiopian reading Isaiah chapter 53 from the Torah? And as he looked at it, he didn't understand. And the Holy Spirit led Philip to go and to expound the word and to encourage. He prophesied to this man. Sometimes I think we have been deluded by the glamorization of the American church's, you know, depiction of how prophecy works. We've Hollywoodized it. And, and, and we've made it to where it draws attention at times, not all the time, but at times to people. The gifts of the Spirit, all nine, which includes prophecy, should always bring attention to Jesus. That's it. That's it. And that's why we should not be prophesying all of the time. Why? Because we cannot call it as will. It's when the Holy Spirit says, now, just like Samson, when he was faced with a thousand Philistines that were ready to take his life, and he picked up the jawbone of a donkey, and then, poof, that anointing came, that gift of strength demonstrated by the Holy Spirit. And after it was done, the strength was gone. The Bible says he was exhausted. When Elijah the prophet ran before the rains hit, after the drought had come to an end, how was he able to outrun the chariots of Ahab and Jezebel? At that moment, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then, for a purpose, he was able to do that. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where Elijah the prophet, because of that great speed, entered track and field and began to compete all over Israel and the Middle East. Why? Because it was not natural. It was supernatural for that moment. And that's the way, again, all of the gifts of the Spirit are, including prophecy. Now, the Bible says we're encouraged to, to, to be used. I pray that all would prophesy. Amen. But not all will. But we are commanded to make ourselves, avail ourselves, available to the Holy Spirit. Lord, as you deem, as you choose, and when you choose, for your purposes, use that gift through me. I'm available. Praise the Lord. Prophecy should be judged. Just because someone says, thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean it's the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, let two or three prophets speak. And let the others judge. In 1 John chapter 4, we're commanded... Test the spirits to see whether they're of God or not. So you'll see all through Scripture, there are certain terms 
and certain requisites that God desires for we, his people, also to divide and rightly discern what is transpiring. Now, when it says judge, it doesn't mean you're judging the person. You judge or you're discerning the message, the method, and even the motive. Like I said, sometimes people have tried over the years, even back in New Testament times, early church era, where they try to use the gift for their own personal gain. Now, when you look at this, when, you, when you're discerning, making sure, judging, this isn't done by a mystical feeling or perception. People say, oh, I just don't have a good feeling about that person. See, that's when a critical spirit can come into play. In fact, if you look at all of the scribes and Pharisees during the ministry and life of Jesus, they were constantly critical and divisive of his ministry and even of his power. So when we're judging the prophecy, it's not done by a mystical feeling or I just have this perception. All prophecy is judged by the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible, is our measuring stick. If what is being communicated doesn't measure up with the Word of God, it's not God. There was someone once that prophesied, Oh, church, my people, I know you're discouraged. And I know you're confused. Sometimes I'm confused, says the Lord. Stop. The Bible says, Scripture, that God is not the author of confusion. God is never confused. He has never lost His way. So how do we know if it is or isn't from God? The Word of God is our measuring stick. Amen? Which brings us to the next utterance gift. The gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is not the same as a believer's personal prayer language. I mentioned that when the day of Pentecost hit, all were baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Remember the prophecy that John the Baptist said, one greater than I is coming, whose sandals I'm not fit to unloose. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, first baptism, and with fire, second baptism. The Greek word for end is K-A-I, kai. It's also defined as in addition to. Little word, but so much significance. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and in addition to the Holy Spirit, he will baptize you with fire. One word, three letters, so much significance. And so the gift of tongues is not what a believer receives when they're baptized with the fire of the Holy Spirit that John referenced. John Wesley one of the great uh, revivalists during the, the Great Awakenings, he spoke and talked about this baptism of fire as the second work of grace. Salvation, the first work of grace, and then the baptism of fire, the second work of grace. When we're saved, the Holy Spirit takes up resonance. Amen? The moment someone prays the prayer of salvation, they have as much of the Holy Spirit as they will ever have and as much as anyone else has who professes the name of Jesus. But the baptism of fire, what does that do? It brings a release of the Holy Spirit so that the power and the gifts of God can flow through us in advancing the kingdom of God. Some of you maybe, and some watching online, maybe you've never heard this. 
And that's why I've said the Holy Spirit has been forgotten by so many in the Christian church. And I fought Christian leaders for that. The sheep are not commanded to know the way they're to go. When you look at the role of a shepherd, the sheep aren't leading, the shepherd does. And pastors and teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets, we're the men and women of God that are supposed to hear from God and bring the whole counsel of God. Amen? Amen. And so when you take and you see this baptism of fire, it's absolutely necessary. But the gift of tongues is not that encounter. Well, why do you say that, Pastor? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, do all speak with tongues? Do all prophesy? Do all have gifts of healing? Now, in the Greek, there's a way to ask a question that demands a yes or a no answer. And when Paul was giving this exhortation, he was encouraging, speaking, and bringing doctrine to the church of Corinth that had abuse of, of the gifts in, in, in their worship times. This was done explicitly, explicitly for provoking a no response. Do all speak in tongues, the gifts of tongues? No. Do all have the gifts of prophecy? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Right? But he wasn't dealing with the baptism of fire. Just because someone has received their personal prayer language doesn't mean they will ever be used to prophesy through the gift of tongues. Did you hear that? The baptism of fire is just our personal time alone with God. It's for worship. It, 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 it's for edifying ourselves. I'm going to touch on that in a second. Whereas the gift of tongues is when the Holy Spirit in that moment brings a prophetic word that will take and minister to its hearers. And the same thing when we're speaking in tongues, right? When we're prophesying in tongues, it's the same application as the gift of prophecy in a known language, only this time God is speaking through the gift of tongues in an unknown language to the one speaking as well as to those hearing as a sign for the unbelievers. It captures the attention of people. You see, the manifestation of speaking in tongues has two distinct demonstrations. The first one, which I spoke about, is private tongues. The baptism of fire. Four purposes it serves. We're interceding for others when we pray in tongues. Have you ever been uh, praying for someone in English and then all of a sudden you just feel like you've prayed out you don't know what else to say? That's when Paul says, pray in the Spirit. When you don't know what to think, you don't know what to say, you let the Holy Spirit pray the perfect prayer through you. It also brings self-edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Do you know when you pray in tongues privately? That's why you should pray in tongues all of the time. The Apostle Paul said, I pray in tongues more than any of you. He wasn't bragging. He was showing an example of why this gift or not this gift, but more this blessing of fire, this baptism, needs to be exercised in our alone time when we're with God. Why? Because we need to be encouraged. We need to be edified. We need to be strengthened. Sometimes, even before we face a difficulty, we can pray up in advance if we get alone with the Lord, and when we've exhausted all we know to say, just lift your hands and begin to release your prayer language. That's not prophecy. That's intercession, self-edification. 
when you also pray in your prayer language, public tongues, you're worshiping. Remember the New Testament, the 120, the people on the streets as we hear these people declaring the works of God in our own language. That's why they said they must be drunk. And that's when Peter said they're not drunk with wine. But this was that which was prophesied, foretold by the prophet Joel, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Praying in our personal prayer language, that baptism of fire, private tongues, also builds our faith. How many of you want more faith? Pray in tongues when you're alone. Pray in tongues when you drive in the car. Many times I'm driving, all of a sudden, I, I just begin, I'm not prophesying. That's why there's no need for an interpretation. I'm praying. I'm interceding. I'm worshiping. I'm building faith. Jude 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you pray in the Holy Spirit? By the baptism of fire that brings that private tongue, that prayer language, for your personal times alone with God. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. He says, I wish. Do you know that word wish in the Greek is also defined as I will, determine, purpose, resolve, or intend. He goes, I wish, I will, determine, purpose, resolve, or intend. You all spoke with tongues. The baptism of fire. So what is Paul telling us? Private tongues, that baptism of fire, is for every believer. But then there's the gift of tongues, that second demonstration of tongues, which Scripture says is for a divine purpose at an appointed time for a specific reason so that God can manifest His purposes and His strength to those who need it. And that is what I reference as public tongues. Speaking in tongues, the gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, to another different kinds of tongues. That gift. The gift of tongues, listen to me. The gift of tongues is the gift of prophecy in a language unknown to the one speaking as well as to those listening. The gift of prophecy alone is known to the one being used in that gift and is also understood by the people who are receiving, whether an individual or a group. Whereas the gift of tongues, it's prophecy, but in another language. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a known language only. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So there are different languages that the Holy Spirit can choose to prophesy through in order to communicate his purposes and his ways to the individual receiving that word. Tongues of men, tongues of angels, which means they can be earthly or heavenly. I heard someone say, well, that doesn't sound like any human language I've ever heard. It must be a demon. Tongues of men and of angels. How many of you have studied the language of angels? Yes, I, I took Angels 101 in college. I don't think so. So the key is, it's known to God. But it takes a measure of faith to step out and to allow the Lord, when He comes on, just like Samson, when the strength would come upon him, he could have run away. He could have said, no, I'm not going to face the Philistines. I'm not going to do this. But he chose and he resolved to honor God, and he stepped into that gift and exercised it. And it's the same way with the gift of tongues. 
when you were prophesying in an unknown language to people who were hearing the prophecy in an unknown language, you are accomplishing the same purposes as the gift of prophecy. Only it's a two-step process. And that's why it's imperative that the gift of tongues should always be followed by, as Paul teaches, with the gift of interpretation. You see, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, together, again, they serve the exact same purpose and follow the same guidelines as the gift of prophecy. So everything I said about judging prophecy and its purposes, all of those guidelines apply for tongues and interpretation of tongues. So what does Paul mean by interpretation? Interpretation does not mean translation. Have you ever heard someone prophesy in tongues? And then the interpretation is so much longer. Or vice versa. The tongues is long, but the interpretation, the gift of interpretation that follows is shorter. People say that's, that's not a, that can't be of God because it wouldn't be translated that way. The gift of interpretation is not the gift of translation. They are not one and the same. Interpretation is defined, or to translate is defined as to convert or transform from one language to another. Whereas interpretation is defined as to explain the meaning of, to present or conceptualize. If you go to the United Nations, my oldest daughter went there and did a presentation in her field of, of, of employment. And they have, tra they have translators that are there to translate so that people who don't understand the English language can understand what's being said. But interpretation is not translating word for word, but it's bringing the message that God intends for the people to hear. It's conceptualized. So what does that mean? Interpretation concentrates on the message rather than on the mechanics. People use interpreters in foreign countries. When I've preached in other nations, I've had an interpreter that is taking and bringing the message that God has placed on my heart to the people who are listening, to the hearers. He's not translating word for word. You need to get down with a piece of paper and, and start writing everything out. He is interpreting. He is conceptualizing what I am communicating to the individuals gathered there. The gift of interpretation communicates God's strength. It communicates God's encouragement and comfort to an individual or individuals who need it at that moment. And unlike private tongues, your prayer language, the baptism of fire, public tongues is a prophetic utterance and must always be interpreted. That's why sometimes when people go into a church, I heard people speaking in tongues on my left, my right, in front of me, behind me. And where was the interpretation? That was the baptism of fire, their private tongues. That was just an, an expression of these individuals' worship. We're commanded to do that. There is no need for the gift of interpretation when people are just flowing in their prayer language. But if someone was to speak a prophetic word through tongues, then it must be followed by the gift of interpretation. In closing, conclusion, let me say this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit have not ceased. 
Think about it. People still get sick, don't they? I had laryngitis two weeks ago. Pastor Tom filled in for me. I needed a touch in my body. People still get sick. There are still diseases that even doctors can't finalize, and they say we've gone as far as we can. And that's when there's a need for a divine intervention. Maybe the gift of miracles, or the gifts of healing, to bring restoration to that broken body. You know, there's still a need to discern between good and evil, don't you think? Don't we more than ever need discerning of spirits? How do we know when it's God? How do we know when it's the devil? How do we know when it's just us? Right? How do we know? Who's speaking? That's where the gift of discerning of spirits comes into play. Miracles are still necessary, especially in a world with limited resources. Nothing can be more demoralizing or, in, in, or unempowering than believing miracles no longer happen. When people lose hope of a miracle, they lose hope for living. All things are possible. Jesus still does the miraculous. And as the kingdom of darkness rises, and we're seeing that on the news around us in our society, the moral decay, all that's happening... And as the kingdom of darkness rises, Scripture is very clear. The power of God will rise even higher. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And the light will always expose and neutralize the darkness. And that's where the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit come into play. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know what they are? They're heaven's arsenal for the church, for you, for me. Without them, listen to me, we're powerless. God never intended us to be a powerless church. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Amen. Praise the Lord. What does Hebrews 13.8 say? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is living through us with the same power and anointing that he demonstrated during his earthly walk. He is demonstrating and he is living through us with that same power and anointing. But we have to believe it's still available. We have to access and we have to avail and make ourselves available for the Holy Spirit to flow through. People all around us are praying for miracles. And for the believer that will say, Lord, use me, will become the instrument to initiate that miracle. Jesus was dependent on the gifts of the Spirit. Who are we to try and continue His ministry without the gifts of the Holy Spirit? A powerless church is not an effective church. And I mean people, not an organization. We are the church, human beings. We are the temple of God. It's time to embrace what? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe this has never been a part of your life. Maybe this is new for you. That's why I felt it imperative. The Holy Spirit compelled me that I was to teach this four-week series. We need the revelation gifts. We need the power gifts. And we need the utterance gifts. Give the Holy Spirit today. Give Him permission. Give Him permission to use you, to fill you, empower you. Give Him permission to flow through you. Don't turn your back on Him. Don't disqualify yourself. The blood of Jesus Christ 
is what qualifies any of us to be used by the Holy Spirit. That's it. The sins of our past are our past. But in Christ, we are new creations and we are the temple of God. And when that begins to become relevant and becomes rhema in our lives and we believe it, then we'll start living that way. Hallelujah. God is waiting for you to ask. Ask Him. That's what you want to do today. Ask the Holy Spirit to flow through you. Give Him permission. Invite Him. Look at what Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen 13 regarding the Holy Spirit. He says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's time to ask. It's time to ask. Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, let your gifts flow through me. I make myself available. That's all you have to do. You don't have to walk around thinking, well, should I do it now? Is he coming? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you like he did Samson with his gifts and with his anointing, you will know that that measure of faith and that supernatural manifestation is upon your life. And then it's up to you to act. Be faithful. Pray for that person. Speak to that person. Whatever the need, take authority and experience all that God desires to do in you and through you. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.